Episode 28 of the High Fantasy Podcast, member of the Broken Jars Network, and I apologize that I sound like shit because I have a gigantic headache. So I'm going to be the negative person of this episode. When Yay. are you not the negative person of the episode? Just Sometimes just I'm excitable, <laughs> but today I'm just negative. When we're talking about Dresden. <laughs> we do apologize for going like forever without a show, just holidays and sickness and crap just gets in the way, but hopefully... Maybe we'll be able to have like uh It's a new year. A new year and all that good stuff. A new so. commitment to episodes. Yes. <laughs> you say that so confidently. <laughs> Someone has to be positive. <laughs> if we put up fifteen this year, I'll be happy. If we can do average a little more than one a month. Because that's a I don't even know if we've done that since we've started the podcast. Once in a while we have a good streak, but it, it's it's hard. And ow. And ow. So my, my role, as we've discussed, is I'm going to be the negative person. So you guys have to show me your ideas, and then I destroy them, right? Right. But it's not first, like anyone's been productive, so who gives a Constructively. Shit? I've actually them. been productive, thank you very much. <laughs> no one's been productive, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yes, I'll, I'll I, try I, to be constructive. I, I have all but finished reservations at 8. I'm just oh, doing nice. some editing. And so it ends up being about 21,000 words, so a nice little novella. Got my art getting produced and all that cool crap. So Congratulations. Thank you. So hopefully in the next month or so, I'll have it completely wrapped up. And my New Year's resolu- resolution of 2,000 words a week is still holding up. I know it's not a ton of words, but it's still more than I had been doing. So two weeks in a row, I've at least done 2,000 words. More than I've been doing. I well, think the universe like decided in a, in every day this True, but that burns me out forever. <laughs> it's probably less beneficial than it's... Well, I don't know if I'd write 50,000 words in a year if I didn't try, so... That's why, that's why I have my, like, weekly goal so I can measure it. Like, okay, you did it, you did it. And, like, when you, when you have that goal, like, this morning <laughs> I woke up and I'm like, oh, I've really got to put out about a 1,000 words today. So I just <laughs> got up and started writing, and I, I got up my 1,000 words I need to get out. And so, you know, it was nice. When Hopefully you feel I can like you're letting yourself it. down by not doing it, it's a good yeah. motivator. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have my nice graphs and, like, Excel spreadsheets. I, like, charts, like, words per day, words per week. And I can, like, look at each day of the week to see which one I'm more productive on and, like, how I'm going towards my goal. So, you know, it'll be like, if I hit my goal every week, it'll be at least 104,000 words in 2018. So that would be pretty good. That's about a book. That's about a book, yes. More or less, depending... Depending on who was writing these books. Right, you know. Well, actually, that's just... I mean, this is way off topic, but... You know, what do you consider, like, full novel length? Is it, like, 80,000 words? 50 plus. Yeah. 50 plus, okay. That's kind of cut off, because they could go indefinitely long. So 50,000 plus is just... That's novel. I mean, like... Epic fantasy tends to be what three hundred thousand. Yeah, let me like look at the last books of uh, Song of Ice and Fire that had to be split into two because it was getting too long. Yeah, it's it's the funny realization when you realized that the first Harry Potter was published less than a year after the first Game of Thrones book. Yeah. <laughs> What happens when you don't write yourself into a uh, massive tangle of nets that you can't possibly do anything with? Like, like when you plan something and you have an outline? Are you willing to edit and cut things out? 
Oh, he's probably got an outline. He's probably got like <laughs> walls and walls of outline. He has a vague outline that I don't have any clue of what he sticks to. But the biggest issue is he doesn't cut shit out when it needs to be cut. See, I'm negative. <laughs> so I think today we're going to be doing some like workshopping kind of things. So skewer all of your ideas. You know, a lot negative. of us tend to tend to write in a uh, in a in a vacuum. We're just doing our own thing and don't get a lot of extra like input from outside sources. And then we wonder why, you know, we finish this manuscript, we give it to somebody, and they just bleed all over it. So this. It's a, it's a good idea to get other people's opinions on ideas. So, at the same time, ideas, ideas are cheap. Ideas are cheap. It's an execution that matters. So, what are some of y'all's ideas? And I don't know. Let's let's figure some things out. Jacob, you said you had an idea. I do. Um, so, I've decided I'm finally gonna fucking finish Corlex. Finally. Um, but I, I had this idea because I've been watching a lot of BoJack Horseman, which is probably not a good idea <laughs> when you're writing. Um, but there's this, I watched this YouTube video on the show and like kind of why it works the way it works. And it's all about turning subtext into text. So I was like, I was thinking about it. And so my idea was, okay, all the things that I've kind of alluded to and like, sort of mentioned here and there. I'm just going to turn that all into actual text. So, like, we're, like, I'm starting all the way back when he's, like, in college, and we're going to do the entire Aaron, who was Molly, but now is Aaron, storyline. So I'm going to get my, my audience to really love her and then kill her off. And then, so instead of having this thing, this tragic event in the past, it's going to sort of happen in real time. And all these things I sort of built up as a, I'll get to it eventually. I'm just going to, like, do it. It's like the ultimate checkoff's gun. Everything is going to happen in a row, and hopefully it works. I don't know if the readers will like that, because it's going to be sort of a different sort of structure than a lot of books. But, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going full BoJack, as it were. It, it sounds like that's the easier form of sequence like you're actually just doing everything in chronological order versus right. having lots of flashbacks so right but a lot of stories almost always start somewhere where there has been a there's been an event or two big events in the past so this person is here uh i mean it's sort of it seems like a lot of stories start in the middle of the heroes journey or near more near yeah. the call for the hero's journey instead of like okay let's see what happens before the call happens well i mean i guess that's kind of risky because who cares before the bulk of the story happens i don't care well, that time when that. the farm boy stubbed his toe i care when he's becoming the hero right and so why did he was... stub the toe because he's a dumb kid <laughs> yeah i don't Walking like so I, I don't know exactly if it's going to work or not, but that's what I'm going to be trying to do. Well, if you write it straight out like that and then decide it doesn't work, you have a hell of an easier time going back and doing flashbacks because you already wrote it. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Yeah. Just, you know, a couple of sentences of basically describing this as a flashback, drop, paste. Yeah. <laughs> sure, it's that easy. <laughs> <laughs> Anything really? else I can shit on today? <laughs> mm. Wow, I expected more comments on my my I, turning all my it, subtext into text. <laughs> it really sounds to me that you're just you're doing everything in sequential chronological order, which is easier. I mean, so not really. Not, really, not really. Because you have to actually build the character instead of you know in Dresden he talks about how accidentally murdering the woman he loves or at least thinking he murders the woman he loves you know when he's running from justin, justin. yeah um you know and that sort of was a motivating factor and you know it, it's easier to have 
the characters sort of already built and then explain why the pieces are where they are instead of building the character up piece by piece. I yes can't think no. of a, I mean, I really can't think of a book I've read recently where the character isn't already formed in some way. I mean, the characters should already be formed because they're that's why people. They're interesting. Yeah, that's why they're interesting. But I mean, even you, they can't just be the literal blank slate. Like you, you can take Dresden and at the start of Stormfront, the defining moment in his life at that point was Justin DeMorne and Elaine and getting out of that. Right. If you take Dresden in Skin Game, I'm not even sure if that's really a defining moment in his life anymore. Yeah. So yeah. much has happened like, since hey. then. Like, the defining sure, moment was, is still probably changes. I mean, he could yeah. write what happened with DuMorne, but then there's so much more afterwards that matters too. And mm-hmm. Well, he kind of so, does in Ghost Story. I mean, there's that, but there's also something to keep in mind, I think, if, for example, if Dresden, is that all the shit with Justin happened when he was 16. Stormfront picks up when he's about 25. So we really don't need to know from ages 17 to 24 what was going on. He was hanging out on a farm in the... Yeah, it was, you know, Ozarks. that was very little of description. We just need to know, okay, he went to a farm, he knows Ebenezer. That's, that's it. So like, you have to keep in mind how much you do need to... To skip over, which doesn't need to be detailed, but telling things in order that they happen does seem to be the easier way because the readers will learn it as things happen and not figuring out why does this matter? Oh, because it happened a long time ago type thing. Okay. Like, no matter where you start with a character, there's always something that. Right. That's that the moment. hard part. And so what I, what I was kind of thinking of doing is having like an extended first act where I cover sort of the origin, um, Molly, or not Molly, now Aaron, and Coralex <laughs> and Davin, her death and, like, the beginning of the, um, like, their bounty hunting, and then sort of have a, you know, five years later kind of thing jumping into Act 2. That sounds so, risky, honestly. Yeah, so it's sort of like everything's going good, everything's going good, everything's going good, everything goes really terrible, and we jump into the future. I think it's the time skip in that fashion that can be risky, because you have the, the point of like people not being invested anymore after the time skip, because now the entire situation has changed just for the nature of time. I mean, you could also do a... It's still a flashback, but like my plan with Carlin's story was to basically do interludes in between the sections that would tell the story in the past in truncated form. So you can have Corlax, but you, you can, rather than just a straight flashback, you can have an extended narration in the past, and if you have it after the start of the action, when the character, when the reader knows what's going on, the picture of this idyllic life up until everything goes wrong there's the sense of dread already established because the reader knows it's going to go wrong and gets stuck in the mindset of happily ever after, but no, if you follow. Right. So, yeah, that's where I sort of do, do I set, do I set the, the, the trap and then bait it or do I bait it and then set it? You know, so they already know what's coming. So do I want that existential bit of dread hang, hanging over know. everything? Like, you know she's going to die, and you're just going, oh, God, oh, God, this is going to suck. Or just, like, take her away from the reader when after, hopefully, they've fallen in love with her. I don't know. I like when you enjoy it, when you're already knowing it's going to be bad and just torturing yourself because the narrator is so happy and you know it's going to end. Yeah, and I think you can probably accomplish both effects if you execute it right, of doing the, like, showing life without her interspersed with life with her and then showing the death scene. Like, I think you could probably do that. I'm sure people can. I'm sure people can. I don't know. If I can. <laughs> Anyone can do anything. If you spend enough time and money on it. Yes. Well, writing is free. Um, time is you know, money, money to well, live, money for editors. Right. The editors aren't going to write a good book for you though. 
They're I'll tell you all the reasons problems. you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, okay. So that, that's what I've been working on along with cleaning up reservations. So, yeah, good times. Okay. Colin, put an idea on the chopping block. So first I'm going to link a picture because most of my ideas come from random things I see. You understand this is an auditory podcast, right? Yes. Okay. But for you guys to have a better idea. Okay. It's, it's pretty. It's fairy tale. It's I floating to islands. Do a city on floating islands. So um, you've been playing Bioshock Infinite recently? No, actually. I'm playing Skyrim. Ooh, that's pretty. So I want something like uh have you played Skyrim? I have not played Skyrim. Uh Bleh. magical college causes half a city to fall into the ocean. Interesting. Oh. But something in the past uh, shattered the city into the sky, and they worshipped the man who saved them as god and keep his descendants as their emperors. I'm sold. So, like, the emperor is the lineage of the hero who remain keeps the power to save them with him at all times, and so they worship him. And there's an up-and-coming calamity again. Also been playing Breath of the Wild. Why the up and coming calamity? Where does that come that from? That I haven't figured out. I haven't figured out the origin of the first calamity to begin with. Oh, okay. <laughs> Figure those two things out, and I think you're good. I don't know. I like this. It's I supposed like to be negative. <laughs> I'm sorry. I like I know. cities. I can't tell. I haven't read uh, Cinder Spires yet. I haven't. I don't know if I want like just straight high fantasy stuff or a little like airships and well, Final Fantasy kind of. It, it depends on the nature of the calamities, I think, because essentially if you have airships and you say your floating city is going to fall, you have people who can escape to the airships. If you do not have airships, they have no such escape. But if there are no airships, I mean, you would... Well, why are the cities floating? How are they floating? Well, that seems to be obviously magic, and any calamity well, could be say... the absence of magic. Well, I was going to say the magic, whatever the calamity was, shattered the city, but filled the area with magic that leaves things floating around, because that's like 90% of fantasy. Magic. Okay, so the old calamity. So before the calamity, it was just a city, and then something happened, and okay. shit went wrong. But So you need to identify, what did the original hero do to save the city? And what is the return calamity? And what do they need to do? Because they, they're going to mirror each other in some fashion. Yeah. So you no know one, you know the other. Ideally, I don't know if it's... Like, I don't know if I want like some foreign enemy on the outside or dark spirits or whatnot. But the original hero did something to basically hold back the attack enough that rather than just completely wipe out the city, it just broke it apart and died in the process. Okay, is the calamity mm. something that could be his fault? Oh. Like, if, if it's a, like a natural phenomenon that happened, the equivalent of a magical earthquake, then he did something to to stabilize it. But what if it was... If there's an incoming attack, and he did the calamity in order to stave off the attack, but also destroyed half the city in the process. Well, I mean, he could have, if it was some kind of magical attack, he could have diverted it enough that rather than just be a massive mm -hmm. explosion, it broke things apart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But there, Which is a better option. There's the fun op idea of, like, the hero also having, like, the dark side of it. Like, yeah, he did save things, but he also is the one who made the problem. So well, was, you could play with that as the character in, you know, mythology. Well, one of the things I was going to have is that, uh, I don't know if it counts as like a Mistborn era kind of quest, but the hero's descendants don't have the magical talent whatsoever. Uh. It's been a sham the whole time, so they think the Emperor's going to protect them a second time, and he can't. Hmm. I don't know if it's... So, like, in the aftermath of the first Calamity... The hero is dead, and they worship the spot that he was when it happened. And, I don't know, his younger brother or his son shows up and says, Hey, I can protect you again. And they're like, Yay, you're the emperor now. <laughs> but he can't. 
Mm. And so what happens if that secret goes out? People would be pretty angry. <laughs> so, well, if... I mean, you could really change everything <laughs> if you wanted to play with the physics a little bit. So say that, like, so there was this big magical disruption in space-time, whatever. And that in, in this world, the cities aren't actually floating, but for, you know, however long this time period is, they've been, they've essentially been stuck in midair. There was uh, an explosion, so they're stuck, and now they're starting to fall. And then, like, as you go through the story, you realize that there's nothing they can do, and they're just going to fall. And then go boom. So not only can the emperor save them, but no one can. You have this really tragic ending where everyone dies. <laughs> I was wondering where you were going to go with that. Yeah. So like it would be like this. This uh, the the hook for the story would be the building dread that there is actually no answer because we always think there's going to be an answer because there's almost always an answer. Um, you know, almost every movie no you know, the apocalypse is averted at the last second, whatever. But when the apocalypse actually happens and you build it up that it's not going to happen and then it happens, it it's it can be very, like, powerful and, like, gut-wrenching. True. Like, have you ever seen uh, Seeking a Friend for the End of the Universe or End of the World, I think? Is no. it? It's Steve Carell and Keira Knightley. Okay. Definitely remember the ads. It's Trailers. worth a watch, and it kind of plays along with this idea that I'm thinking of. Like the end of that, the end of that movie, you just like the credits start to roll, and you just feel a little empty and dead inside. And you're like, "Wow, that was really good." <laughs> I think Mistborn did that a little bit in the build-up, where you think uh, they're gonna figure it out, and in reality, they just throw everything away and buy a moment. Right. And, you know, and it's not even like the hero dying, saving the world, you know. It's not that kind of loss either. True. It's just that total inevitable loss of everything. <laughs> yeah, your readers would hate you, but they would probably like... <laughs> Too late now. They already read the book. <laughs> Too late. It would be one of those things that they hate you, but they would talk about it because it would be different. You know, what if Voldemort had one and <laughs> just like, you know, shot Harry with, shot Potter with like, you know, Magnum and just called it a day. Oh, I saw something, I guess, Rowling had said at one point that, you know, a muggle could have just shot Voldemort with a shotgun and ended the whole thing. Yeah, exactly. Also, someone mentioned, uh, if the Wii had been around before then, wizards would have realized to put fucking straps in all their wands. <laughs> I never got yeah. that. There's a, a lot of fun things about the Harry Potter series, but there's a lot of really whimsical, unexplainable stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> it is a children's book, after all. True. And everyone's like, and? So. <laughs> we take our shit seriously. We still expect the children's stories to be internally consistent. <laughs> One thing I never understood is like, okay, I guess they, they're wizards. They can't use technology for some reason. Why can't they use basic pens? Why do they have to use fancy quills? At least Dresden made an excuse for these things. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but we know that pen. they can use electricity. And a like, gun. Why don't they have, like, you know, televisions and stuff? Why do they use owls? I don't know. Owls are cool. They're cool, cool, but... <laughs> it's just like every uh, standard stereotype of wizards. It's like, on the one hand, they're cool. On the other hand, if it's that in the present tense, a lot of them don't make sense. Yeah, I mean, why aren't there more flying cars? Because, you know, the benefit of a car versus a broomstick is protection from the environment. Because flying cars are very noticeable to muggles. Well, it had an invisibility spell. True, true. Well, 
And you but know people still be, saw it when it took off. There'd be some enterprising wizard out there starting his own flying car company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or like, you know, you could have places, warehouses that you drive in, and then you do this invisible spell and you go out. Yeah, exactly. So it's like Grand Theft Auto uh, car washes? Yes. <laughs> the cops just immediately forget who you are? Yeah, they got the memory spells. <laughs> what if you could enchant a car with an automatic uh, memory wiping spell so anyone who looked at it immediately forgot they saw it? Are, are those not a thing in Harry Potter? I thought those were a thing already. You know, memory something like, wipe spells are, right? Yeah, the, the memory wipe spells, but I thought there's also like the don't pay attention to me stuff. Probably. I mean, there are in Dresden. Yeah. But... Which are fairly similar in terms of magic. Sometimes they are. Sometimes. So it's like, it's got to be. I think they're. I haven't read that series in a long time. Dresden just does a simpler job of explaining why he doesn't use the obvious other solutions. Yeah. But but I'm going to go back to your idea. Okay. And what kind of ending do you want? Do you want the happy ending or do you want the depressing ending? I tend to go for happy. Okay. So you got to have the answer. Yeah. It was more going to be the happy-go-lucky ending of it's not some hereditary line that's going to save us. It's just the hero of the moment is going to step up and do the job when it needs to be done. Mm. So you have to figure out what happens and what the answer is. So... Even though the Emperor turns out to be a fraud and everyone hates him and everyone panics, someone steps up and saves the day anyways. Because there's always going to be someone who will be able to yeah. do it. Or try like hell to. Hmm. And I, did, I pictured it as only the one city that mm-hmm. was destroyed. Or floating thrown into the sky, yeah. And that they, you know, have surrounding lands that they farm and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Floating airships would be fun. They are so fun. Are, are, do they Changes have contact with other cities on the surface, or are they just kind of in a bottle? I would say is, they it, have, is this a bottle episode? They have fringe contact. Their maniacal worship of their emperor tends to leave everyone else to just be like, eh, we'll ignore them. We're not but they're still like... It's one city inside of a, a country, so that country still has, you know, country politics happening, right? Yeah. So they're not in a bubble, except no. for the magical one that's keeping them afloat. Yes. Okay. At least you have I imagine like... the. Uh... So if the magical, if the reason the city's floating is because the magical attack diffused into the area and. Mm-hmm overfilled the region with magical energy. The further out you go from that, the less workable things like airships would be. Because oh, the air is no so longer... you're having the magical calamity mm. is the fuel for the airship, so it's only workable in that area. Yes. So as the calamity is happening again, the airships are also failing. Okay. That okay, can so lead to some really, really tragic airships, moments. They're, they're magical floating yeah. ships. Have you played Final Fantasy XII? I don't. I don't. I'm not a fan of the Final Fantasy games. They run off the magical energy in the atmosphere. Okay, still, but, but yeah. it's only in that one area where it's thick enough to function. Okay. I I like that idea that you have the moments of people trying to escape as they figure things out, and that also fails. So you you can, I don't know, you have both essentially both tragedies. Do they know why the ships work, or do they just work? I think they would have at least figured out that since they didn't have them before the Calamity, that something changed afterwards. Well, well, I mean, the reason I ask is, have they figured out how to siphon this energy? Maybe somebody's been sucking the energy out, and that's why things are failing? Like... Saboteurs? Saboteurs, people who want it you know i mean if you think of the the energy as like gas or oil yes. and people are like taking it away so they can use it so people could have been draining it and therefore there's not enough left right and so you know but then the city would start falling too yes that, right. i thought that's the point but what if it wasn't the people in the city doing it 
Because right. if you think about a, a, the world, right, you know, where I assume there's nothing else that flies. This is, you know, fantasy medieval-ish yes. so, kind of setting, right? Yeah. So, yeah, you, can you have know, another nation sees like, oh, look, they have ships that fly. We want we that We could ship. do this and, you know, make our own things. And So my question or my thought process would be, if the original calamity was caused by an outside source, is that outside source now trying to capitalize on the fallout? Doesn't necessarily need to be the same outside source. Correct. True. Yeah, I was about to say, it could just be a... They, 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 not every, this is not Star Wars. Not everything has to be related. <laughs> my extended universe back where things weren't all related. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, I would make it a completely new thing. So not a second calamity? N no, a second calamity, just the We're first just and second aren't related. Yeah, that would mean that the causes are not related, They're, but they are obviously connected. But not the same calamity? Right. It's The calamity of, oh shit, our entire economy and function for the past thousand years is about to disappear? Yeah. Yes. So you had the natural phenomenon calamity, and then yeah, you can have the yeah. fact that you're depending on that phenomenon, and that phenomenon's going away. Because That's all. People. Apparently people. Yeah, that can work. So you got to figure out how the, the energy is working, and so that how it can be siphoned, and who's doing the siphoning, and how the magic energy got there in the first place. Like, There's okay. A tesseract. There's a tesseract in the middle of it all. But I was imagining it's very much just like oil in the atmosphere is the magic floating. But how did it get there? The calamity. So, some enormously powerful force of more magic narrowed in on the city, and the hero, in order to save the day, are, are there gods spread it out in this world? Like, you know, big, big beings, like active beings, or maybe beings of legend. That exist, or or did exist? Because like your your initial thing could have been the hero and the Dark Lord. The yeah, like the hero, he like forged a sword out of something, and when he slew the bad guy, it exploded and it released all this magical energy into the area. Something silly. Like yeah, that. it could be floating on the remnants of a dead god. Yeah, which. I mean, as it's being siphoned off, would also have to admit that eventually that shit's going to disappear. They have to leave eventually. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, maybe the floating is them shifting in and out of, like, different planes of existence. And so, you know, you know, when they're in there, the rules of reality don't exactly apply. And... You know, the calamity is them shifting more into the normal world where the rules of physics start to apply more and more. Do you like your rules of physics? Look, I'm a sci-fi writer for the most part here. Come on. <laughs> this is true. There is hand-waving in all genres. I know, but I like most of the stuff I've been writing for the last year has been more like hard sci-fi. So I just have to think about like the rules of things and how things work more. <laughs> This shit's high fantasy here, man. Rules yeah, only exist if we guy. establish them. So, I don't know. Because you, you could do a lot if there was a big war, you know, between gods or something, or giant magical beings. You know, that, you could do a lot for, like, richer backstory. And... I do like my dying god scenarios. They they pop up in a lot of my stories. Like that uh, horror story with the vampire was writing. Mm, yeah. One of the secrets was that he was siphoning power off a dead god's heart. Huh. Dead gods are fun. <laughs> well, you can do so much, right? I know. Especially because just because they're dead doesn't mean they're not doing stuff. You could have a dying god. Like, what if the, the city is using parts of a dying god? Without knowing it. Yeah, and it's, you know, what the hero did somehow was, you know, 
put the god into the city, the land that it is on that's still there to keep it if safe. Pull a Malzan and have uh, the god fell into the world and he shattered it to keep it from impacting the city. And now they're just drawing off whatever's left floating around. Yeah. And if, you know, something's hurting it, then their city will die as well. So you need to do something to, to keep the god alive. Which also gives you a time clock to have to work against. That poor god. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta be in like kind of livable agony. Yeah. Yeah, that's Malazan, though. So, going back to your ending, are you going to have, like, the city being... The city... Like, well, do you want the city to be saved and still floating, or just saved back on, like, land? Yeah, like, if it's Well, there's nothing to go back down to. Well, if it's floating in a chasm, then you could potentially have magic happen to fill that chasm with, like, rock. Congealed blood. Yay. Yeah, something yeah. you know you could like you can feel something that's there or you can take the floating city and mm-hmm. move it a gigantic amount of time away and set it down somewhere there's ways to make it not floating it's hard to do that but i'm thinking of, uh, the spongebob episode where they push bikini bottom over there they just <laughs> push the whole city over there so uh... you know you have options in terms of that way if you want oh. it to still be floating then you just need to Figure out a way to make stasis a logical point to go to. There was a sustainability to their use of this power, and when the other nation came in and tried to siphon it, it broke that stability. So as long as they can stop the siphoning, they can keep things healthy. And great. Does the power regenerate if left on its own? Will it... I mean... Does, so... Does... Is so the god going to die eventually? Does it have a lifespan? Right. Is, is, is there, god, you know, is there entropy? Does, does, does hey, the... gods die all the time, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Only in fantasy would we just completely pervert the meaning of that word. <laughs> I didn't say immortal. I just said god. I know. The giant beast of something or other. <laughs> yeah. So do you have more answers than you came with? Yes, I, I think do. He has more questions than he came with. But questions are good. Yeah, I mean, you can whenever, always work off questions. Whenever one of us has an idea, and just like, hey, I need to throw shit at you. And then you yep. just ask more and more questions. And, and I, do, I, I throw stuff on a Discord, and you'll never say anything. I'm like, oh. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Well, bounce ideas a lot. We talk, I need ideas. I mean, ninety percent of the time, I just need someone to ask me why, and then I have to stop and think about it because I'm not yeah, that's all like, I, I do. Answer. You say I have a thing. I say, okay, why? Like, why well... this? Why that? And then three hours later, you said, I have no fucking clue. <laughs> <laughs> but I've got more of an idea than I did when I started. Hopefully, Hopefully. that's the way it works with your Victorian story now. Uh, oh, right, we could do you too. I, okay, I've got two things that I really want to basically bounce between. It's the urban fantasy Chicago, not a Dresden ripoff uh-huh. that yes, I want to do as a graphic is. story. It is not a ripoff. It's not a and ripoff. Then, it's just a spiritual successor to something that's not over. Or a spiritual cousin, maybe? Spiritual I don't cousin. Know. That's a good one. <laughs> I don't know. But this has been. A, what I'm excited about that is for some reason I really want to do it as graphically and I want to like do the drawings myself, which is really hard and I don't know how to do it. But also I've got some other like pieces of ideas that I could filter in and make that those cohesive in the world because there's no reason why not to. I just need to get more things figured out. And then the other idea that I want to bounce between is the Victorian story, in which case I need to figure out fake England and how much of the real England I want to keep or real Victorian era Europe. Like, so is it urban fantasy Victorian or like what kind of what's the setting for this Victorian thing? London, fake London, you know. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, is it, like, magic and stuff, or is it... There's uh, a lot of political with some magic in it, and a lot of Victorian stuff. So if you can think of any other book out there that would be close to what you're aiming for? Uh, No. No. That's half my problem. (laughs) Well, if you wanted, you could merge the stories and have them main person phasing in between London and Chicago 
Like yeah. time skipping. <laughs> could do a uh, Clockwork Dynasty where it's flipping between the two eras. Yeah, and you sort of have this like parallel mystery that like one informs the other. Because that would be really cool. So if like like the the uh, protagonist is like bouncing between time periods, when they figure out what's going on and they bounce to the future, they can research the past and like set things up in the past that'll be waiting for them in the future. And this sounds like a completely separate idea. So yeah, go ahead. Well, you could do the same idea. Just, I mean, the thing that made my nano project this year with the necromancer and the city guard story go so smoothly is I realized that I could just set it in the same setting as my short stories from before. So I didn't have you to didn't do have backstory. to do all the work again. Yeah. Yeah. And it's well, like it can fit, so I'll just do it. I want things to be different enough in terms of real Victorian history. Not- but it's also real Chicago history, right? Real Chicago, yes. So you could have fake the England. Same... That's the d- distinction. Real Chicago, fake England. Okay. Could just make the same magic system and use it anyways, because why not? I don't know the magic system for Victorian stuff, but the, the, I'm trying to find all the things about mythologies I want to keep for the urban fantasy. And not make it a dress and ripoff. That's uh, I was going to say Lovecraft, but no, Dresden definitely rips half his... Well, not, it's not rip-off, but inspired by Dres- by Lovecraft's quite a bit. Sometimes, yeah. His but, entire but, grand arch. I kind of need things in, in the urban fantasy one to be a bit more tangible the way that Dresden is, not the unexplainable that Lovecraft is. What the fuck I are l- outsiders? <laughs> They're Lovecraft. <laughs> <laughs> But, like, the, the, I like tangible magic systems. I don't like the ones that are unexplainable. It's like, it just happened and go with it. I mean, once in a while I have to hand wave things, but I like it when it's a tool that my characters can use. And that's what I need them to be in both settings. I just don't know enough of the setting, and therefore it's kind of the plot with the Victorian one, because I want it to be political, but I don't know how much of the political setting I need to make. Like, how do I describe a fake Holy Roman Empire? I can't even use those Same words. Same way they all do it? I, I could just say, okay, it's Prussia, but Prussia's a little, it has also the... You could always say, like, you know, they lost the Crusades, and, you know, you go with, like, a, a Islamic... But it's, that's a not, lot of cru- but it's it, not, it's not our world. It's fake world. It looks like London, but it's not London. I, you know, I don't know if I want it to be an island or not. I might want it to be an island. I might want it to be but the same island. But it's not Europe. It's just completely... I don't know. That's the thing. Like, I can't decide on that. I don't know if I want to take the same map, the same globe, and just have different history, or if I want it to be a completely fake globe that I can work with whatever I want to. I don't know yet. <laughs> this is why I, think... I haven't made much progress. I do like uh, the Broken Empire series by Bette Mark Lawrence. Uh, which one? Which one? Jorg of Bancraft. Uh, Jorg's the son of a bitch, but. No, I've one. never read this one. Um, because I read it on the Kindle and didn't look at the map, I didn't realize how blatant the map was obviously Europe. Oh. <laughs> but it doesn't take long for you to realize that it's a feudal. Europe in the future. Oh, cool. After a nuclear apocalypse wipes everything out. Okay. So he starts with the backstory, with the history of the world is already there, but everything after that point is just completely new and made up because everything got wiped out and now we're on a fresh slate. But it's still here. It's easier, sort of, to work with something that's already established because I don't have to think about you know, their money system, their religion, and things like that. You don't have to get stuck in world builder's disease? I, I could try not to, but then it's like, I need to work with those details that are already there that maybe they're not the ones that I want. That's why I like fake England, because I don't want real Victoria. I want a fake king instead of Queen Victoria. Non-writers will never understand the struggle of, he went to the store and then paid, oh shit, what did he pay? I don't know exactly. yet. I haven't figured that out yet. <laughs> what do I call these things? Shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a problem. Like, you'll just be writing the story, and every 10 feet, you run into a new thing 
that our common parlance doesn't work anymore. Yeah. So. Yeah, and that's something I've been running into with my like future settings is like, what do you call like a phone like device? Like they're not going to be still called phones in a hundred years. Is there or a, a thousand in like most sci? Well, I don't read a lot of sci-fi, but Star Wars and Star Trek and stuff like. Is there a reason they don't have phones? Yeah, even because basic stupid. phones. Well, they're like I'm starting to see more of it with newer, um, newer stories. Uh, like, oh, uh, I've been reading Artemis, uh, from the guy who did uh, The Martian, and like he just calls him like a gizmo. It's kind of like on the wrist kind of thing, <laughs> like uh, Fallout. Apple watches are not going to catch on. They're cool, and I like having a smartwatch. I just cannot wear a watch to save my life like because i have a i have a pebble and i you know when i actually wore it i loved it but after about a month i just quit wearing it <laughs> so like i've given up on that but like i said i've started to see it more and more and like with the D D campaign i'm running like it's said in the future and everyone's like oh i just look at on my like phone i'm like oh, god damn it like this is just something that's like so ingrained in our culture now that we assume we will all have some form of personal thingy yeah because the question is like like sci-fi should be more high-tech than what we have not less high-tech right but the question is like is it going to be like a handheld is it going to be implanted in your brain is it going to be like (laughs) you know yeah that would be more sci-fi now to me yeah i don't i mean i think having something in my brain Oh, why didn't you answer the phone? I didn't see it. It was in front of your eyes, physically. See, in Corlex, I have, like, a mix between, um, like, ocular implants and, like, uh, hologram cubes that people can use, like, visors to see the holograms or not. So that's how I do it there. But, yeah, like, the more I write, the more I'm like, hmm, these people have to have some form of phone, (laughs) you know. Yeah, I ran into that. I was doing this the military sci-fi thing, because I only want that to be 100, maybe 150 years in the future. It's like, what the fuck are we going to call phones then? Probably because, still phones. I don't know. But then it's like, are they going to actually have phone-like things? Maybe we'll just give up and do any form of watch or like any other form of wearable accessory, because it doesn't need to be a phone. It really doesn't anymore. And what the hell is I going to call it? So I think I just called it Gadget the entire time. It's just Gadget. Yeah, yeah. In in Armis, it's Gizmo. In Corlex, I just started calling it, like, their screen. Like, because I wasn't sure what to call it. I'm like, well, I'm just going to use this until something better pops up. Yeah. I was still, oh, God, what was that, 10 years ago now when I was completely ready for the uh, Google Wave to catch on? And it never did. (laughs) Oh, just give me a wave. Oh, I'll hit you up on the wave or whatever, though. Probably it was their version be. of Twitter, right? It was their. It was more like a like collaborative. You could work on files at the same time as other people and stuff. Oh, like, so it was like early drive, drive, I guess. Like, um, I know some people I was friends with at the time. We were gonna run an internet D and D campaign off of it because you could just put the map there and then do everything together. And then they gave up on it. Because Google never follows through on their ideas. No, they do not. We are very off topic, aren't we? Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) How do we get back to ideas again? I don't remember. We are on Victorian, and how do we end up in sci-fi? Good question. I don't think that one was my fault. That's all I could say. I don't know. I think I mentioned Broken Empire in the future, and then that just Yes, that was was your fault. How dare you call it? I didn't carry it on. Okay, I have no idea what kind of landscape, literal landscape, I want the Victorian one to have. Because if I have a real map based on real history, then I have to deal with the question of the Americas, which I have no answer for. If it's a fake map, then I can do away with Americas. So I have no idea Fuck the Americas. Yeah. <laughs> Like, they cause problems. I don't know what I'm doing. The thing is, is I want Victorian London and political scheming, and that's it. <laughs> and a little bit of magic thrown in. Just have some fjords somewhere because they're pretty. 
Sure. <laughs> but it's like, how do I deal with like copycat France or Germany, whatever you're going to call it, of all the bazillion names I've had? France and Germany. But what do I call them? Whatever you want. Make them different. Very How different? Then they're not copycats if they're different. Then don't do copycat. What the fuck am I doing then? This is why. Why do they need? <laughs> what? So you've got copycat London because that's the setting you want to work with. Yeah. Why does I France don't even need to know. be copycat France? Because copycat. Because London had France. France was a gigantic influence on England. Sure. But anything, so was Germany. Anything would have been a gigantic influence. I mean, if you look at our language, we have something you might be able to call actual English, and then there's like French words and German words, and that's English. Plus all the other crap that we took with every single war. <laughs> so it's like you can't have English language without France. Yes, but now you're thinking Germany. too much. Yes, but then but what you could do is just like go back somewhere in the history of these nations and just you know change one pivotal thing, like you know have someone else win the war and just explain France that way. That's why it's different, or Germany or whatever. Maybe they didn't cross the Alps and, you know, the Roman Empire is still there. <laughs> it changes so much. Like, at, at some point... Yeah, but you can leave. hand wave so much of it. <laughs> I think the existence of the Roman Empire is something I can't exactly hand wave. Sure you can. Like, most people... I mean, there's been so many alternate history things where most people are like, ah, oh, yeah, you know... Holy Roman Empire never fell. Okay, yeah, I can see that. You know there's a difference between Holy Roman Empire and the Roman Empire, right? Yes. Okay, because in that statement, I couldn't be sure. So, I don't know. Of all the things that are German... It's just like, I, I don't know what to call these people because there's too many names, but too many of them have baggage. Right. So I can't just apply a name and go with it. Well, you, can always, you can always go with like, you know, like I said, like Bavaria or something like that or something that sort of gives a connotation. But if you shape the right way, it won't be too baggy. That's why I was lady. trying to like, what if I just make it Prussia? But then... You know, at some point, Prussia became Germany, and you have to explain why that didn't happen or didn't happen, because I think... Well, you don't have to explain it, at least not right away. That could be like book four. I need to know <laughs> it, you know? The thing is, is I need to know it so I can write it, you or I can be prepared for that. It. You don't need to know it. You just It's helpful to know it, but you don't need to know it. You can just say it is and figure it out later if it doesn't really affect the story you're trying to write. It's going to affect it if I do political things because they're the political people that would be involved. So it's like at some point I have to know it because England has constantly been involved with like right. Spain and France and Germany forever. So, so here, here's what I'm starting to get the impression of is that to create this faux Europe, you're going to, have to do as much work as it would be to just create everything from scratch or pretty damn close to it. So you're, you're kind of screwed. It's just, I want things to feel believable, except for the parts that are like, you know, I want the setting to feel right. And for <laughs> that to happen, I need to know what the hell the setting is and where I'm going to change things. So like Victorian London was in the middle of industrial revolution. And I'm just going to like pick a point that I want it to be in whether or not it matches up the exact timeline, I don't care. But I need the cultures to be right. That's important. So if I say that Rome is still around and then like Germany is completely different than it is now, that changes the culture and that's the problem I don't know how to deal with yet. Well, why don't you just say that Victoria was born a dude and then just have everything else the same from before then? You get the right time frame. You, you can change up the politics a bit. I mean, if you want simple, you just say that, like, the ruler is different. Like, everything else is the same except instead of this person being born, 
you know, someone else was born and kind of go from there. You could like easily just go back like one generation and say something changed and, you know, so instead of Victoria, maybe you have King Victor. Victor? I don't know. I was... <laughs> <laughs> What's weird is that how easily that would work in some respects, but then there's still the the issues of basically how does magic affect anything? Because I, at some point I have to figure out that system and figure out its place in history. Right. In the middle of everything else. And so it's like, I that could well, be an option. I, I have mean, to think about it. Knowing um, how a lot of supernatural things were treated in that time and the ideas of the supernatural, that it would make sense that anything in that realm would be pro prosecuted and persecuted greatly. So it would probably be more of an underground thing and not like, hey, look at me, I'm doing magic and I'm in, you know, if you were doing it, you would hide it. Or if you, if it was an innate ability, you would hide it. You're kind of like uh, the chicken frozen. She was trying to hide her abilities to freeze things. So was Elsa. she put into the asylum because of her ability? No, she was put in the asylum because she was making accusations. She survived in order to make the accusations because of her ability. Yeah, see, the yeah, magic's a tool, but it's not like the the. Um, but so the ability is accepted within society. Well, I I don't know as much about that because I was like maybe it's starting to become accepted. Because if I it wanted... is, it throws out everything that has anything to do with normal yarn. <laughs> I wanted her mother if to magic be exists. established in magic and being able to like she like the reason that she is able to do it is because her mother was teaching her when she was a child, and then she spent five years in asylum and. Like, she has some ability left, but she's not the greatest. And that's what I, I wanted her to be. But how do I explain that the mother is capable? Is it actually a genetic thing, or is it anyone who can, can learn? Where does it come from? How was it treated? Was, is that something that, like, maybe people, they persecuted her parents because of the magical ability? Or maybe I don't want it to be that. Which still would change history. Yeah. Right. Like, Unless you did something like... Um... Like sort of a, a gypsy angle, you know, people who are always like fortune tellers and that kind of thing anyway, then you could kind of disguise the magic use in their act and things. A lot of it depends on whether magic is known and accepted as to having existed or if it's just people hand wave it as a fairy tale. And I don't know which way I'm going to go with that. There's a lot of I don't knows, and I haven't had the ability to just decide something that would affect everything else. No. I don't know. I feel like I'd rather see a Victorian London political story where magic is a big role in things than not. Yeah, I mean, I want it to be part of it. I want the, it to have been a tool that is a reason for how some of the plot things have to happen. I don't want it to just exist and then be ignored. Of course, that implies that most nobles are probably going to have magical bodyguards and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or everyone could use magic and the protagonist has no magical ability. <laughs> that's been done. <laughs> Everything's been done. I mean, come yeah. on. <laughs> Every story has been written. We're just trying to rewrite and Add our own flavoring. Yeah. Like, I every, can... every steak ever has been cooked. We just find the ways to do it the way we like, want to do it. I've read books 10, 15 times. It doesn't matter if I've read the story before. I still enjoy it. Sure. Just, so just write whatever is enjoyable the, and people will enjoy it. There are some things that I want the main character to accomplish, probably because of her magical ability. So need that still to be exceptional. So some amount of society can do it, but most can't. And it, then I need so to explain. Just, it, so it's rare. Either it's rare or it's just untaught. But why would it be untaught? Maybe it was being persecuted. And it's like, I don't know if I want it to be a, a rare thing that can happen in a person or not. Or maybe it just does have to be taught. Yeah, I mean, if it is sort of the teaching but persecuted, you could always go with the uh, the witch angle. You know, mm -hmm. you're a witch and you're not 
suffer, which to live, and all that. Yeah, the whole religious stuff. Which, if you wanted Rome to still be around, would be a great use for them, to be the persecuting factor against the magic users. I don't know if I want to mess with persecution from the church because I'm starting to lately I've just been I don't I want to make a political stance that people are going to read into too much. Yeah, I can understand that. But, yeah. you know, it's just something they kind of did anyway. So it makes sense that they would do it. <laughs> yeah. Know? It's like I'm just kind of trying to avoid all of the easy things. Right. Because right. I don't want people to read into it too much. And so like that's been making my life harder as well. Yeah, I, I've kind of run into that something with Corlex where I've I've separated people who have lived like basically their entire bloodline comes from Earth and everybody else because it was a great uh, what I'm calling the genome war, and I'm I'm trying to figure out how much I want um, race race air quotes mm, race. To you're going to get called a Nazi. Well. It's actually, it's more of a you know everyone on Earth is sort of just a a olive complected medium brownish hair kind of thing because everyone's genetic code got screwed up and if you weren't on Earth like you ha actually have like the ability to be a different color or whatever you know so I'm only, sure someone's gonna call you a Nazi yeah so only it. people from like Mar, you know, from not Earth can have blue eyes or green eyes or whatever. I'm sure it'll happen, and I might rewrite the entire thing to write it out. I don't know, <laughs> but it's what I'm going with right now. I mean, I've with the Victorian setting, it's like how uh, oppressed are the women going to be? Being oppressed I, or being oppressed? It's just, and well, then like, since you don't have Queen Victoria, yeah. And it's just like if I inflate the stance of women so that they're much more equal artificially, that avoids me the whole weird feminist fight that I don't want to deal with. And also it's like it's artificial, but I can go but with Then you're that. whitewashing history. Yes. Fuck. You really can't avoid it. <laughs> like, this is, these are things I, I try my best to not think about when I'm doing my first draft. I'm like, mm. I just, you know, I was like, all right, let's get the story out there and then we'll worry about the people who are trying to kill you afterwards. <laughs> That's like brave. With, with Andromeda's love, I mean, it's like, you know, me and Jeremy are writing a story with four female leads. And I'm like, oh, man, if this ever gets published, it's not going to be pretty. <laughs> no matter how good we, no matter how good of a job we do, it's going, we're going to get crucified by somebody. Yeah. Hey, because... but hey, there's, there's no such thing as bad press, right? So I keep telling myself. Depends on who you are. Mm-hmm. And your morals. Mm-hmm. Hey, if there's a, if there's, you know, if people get really pissed off about a book for stupid reasons, but it still fuels interest in it, I'm okay with it. Like, if it was like, oh, someone just took it the wrong way, then whatever. Like, I'm never, I'm not going to go out there to offend somebody. You know, that, that's not my goal. I'm going to piss somebody off because there's enough people out there that you're just going to piss somebody off. Yeah. Definitely going to happen. Because people look for reasons to be pissed off. That's right. And this is how we're lovingly speaking of our readers. <laughs> hey, if you're a reader that likes my book, I like you. If you don't like my <laughs> book, go fuck off. It's like whatever, like, like I, uh, we went and saw the new Jumanji movie, which isn't great. It's not bad. But it was really fun. I was talking to a friend about it. I was like, hey, remember when we used to have that thing called fun? <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what this movie is. <laughs> I mean, I like political scheming. I want that in my book. I don't know how to do it so well, but I, I like reading it and consuming it other ways. But I don't want politics to interfere with my writing. And so... 
figuring out the political setting and the status of women, the status of not white people. It's a little scary. We just had that that two sentence thing, like in such and such a war, this and this happened, and then everyone decided everyone was equal, <laughs> and then go from there. Yeah, I'm I'm really impressed with the way um, Naomi Novik did a lot of stuff in the Temeraire series because it was it felt real history with also dragons everywhere and it felt really authentic somehow. And there was also like arguments about racism and slavery that blew up in the book a few times. But didn't even Harry Potter do that? Oh, well, they had that the house house elves. elves yeah yeah they did everything by proxy. That, well, yeah, because that's the way to avoid getting in trouble. Yeah, it, but then there's the stupidity of the house elves seem to genuinely, for whatever magical nature reason, want to be slaves. So I feel like the whole argument against it kind of fell apart. Right, but it, it's that, uh, it, it reminded me of uh, Hitchhiker's Guide when they go to the restaurant at the end of the universe and they have the cows who want to be eaten. Creepy. Like, have y'all not read that? No. Oh, it's it's great. Like, so they go to the restaurant at the end of the universe, and this cow comes out, like, telling us, like, oh, look, my shoulder looks really good today. You should totally eat that. It's it's hilarious. Man. Yeah, if y'all haven't read it, y'all definitely need to go read it or listen to an audiobook of it. <laughs> like, it, it's one of the, since it is so well-loved, it's one of the few audiobooks I've seen that gets a the full, like, dramatization where it's like every person has a different actor and sound effects is there and stuff. a version with stephen fry in it uh, i would Probably. not surprise but yeah the uh they were good friends and so if i can find that version i'll probably listen to a lot of it but i don't want to be not stephen fry i i was listening to it in college when i was sort of doing a senior road trip and i damn near wrecked my truck a few times because i was laughing so hard like it is uh... so funny So, yeah, those are our ideas. Yeah. Uh, we probably should start wrapping up. I think we're I, over time. I, okay, that works. Uh, uh, this software doesn't have a you know, timer on it, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not exactly sure when we started. So uh, you can find me at, at Jacob Ingalls on Twitter. You can find us at brokenjars.xyz. Uh, if you want to give us some of your hard-earned money, visit us at uh, patreon.com forward slash broken jars we have a lot of fun rewards out there so yeah um hang out with us in discord come hang mm -hmm. out with us discord i'm there pretty much every day director alex is a ghost now it's sad yeah uh, i'm sorry <laughs> my life keeps getting busier yeah just just say dishonored somewhere in the in in the chat and colin will magically appear about a few minutes <laughs> later <laughs> don't ask me how i saw that so quickly <laughs> he's got you've got a, like a keyword like a texture <laughs> like if someone starts talking about this well ever since they added that little red dot that tells me there's unread messages i actually look oh i don't even have that no, the, the, uh, the dot is what like i every day i make sure i turn on the computer and i see what the hell happened with <laughs> the red dot tells me that something happened oh right that's as much as I can accomplish in a day. So I see what happens. <laughs> Ow. All right. Well, we will see you in two weeks. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> there should be no reason we should be here in two weeks. Just there... wait until my car explodes again. Yay. <laughs> okay. I'm good. Right, We're so good. Bye, bye, guys. Bye.